Hey there, folks. Welcome to Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. My name, as you probably have already guessed, Stephen Craig. I'm the truth in I'm the truth. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the host and author of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. I think that's the second time I've made that mistake in the last month or so. Um, some of you might out there might have uh, might have got picked up on that. In any case, uh, welcome to Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. So happy you could join us. Um, weren't here last Thursday. You got a double dose of it the week before. Um, hopefully you got a chance to listen or read the column on uh, Aaron Judge. Um, but uh, it's been uh, it's been sports for a while. It's not sports today. I promise. I told you we'd be moving on to something else, and uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to go back on my word. Um, and so, uh, so welcome in, uh, we're going to be talking this week instead about music, speaking about Rage Against the Machine, music that does not suck. Um, this week's, uh, this week's Truth in a Thousand Words or Less was, uh, precipitated by, um, a trip I took with my girlfriend earlier this summer. We were in Cancun and, uh, wow, just a lot of music by the pool that sucked and sucked a lot. Um, and led me to led me to the conclusion that uh, that music in this day and age really does really does suck, man. And as I get into in the piece, um, you know, I, I listen. Some of there's always going to be some degree of you know this generation versus the old generation, and uh, and part of that is just generational taste preference. Man, as you listen to it's really, really awful. And and that there's an objectivity. I used to um you know, uh most of us in some degree or another subscribe to this um notion. At least overtly we subscribe to the notion that um that that, that musical taste, um artistic taste is subjective, right? We're like, well, that's just your opinion. And yet at the same time, the language that we use and the way that we go about thinking about it realistically, when you really think about our tastes in movies or in music, we we really do believe in a more objective um, reality to that. Um, and so uh, it, it's interesting. It gets back to uh, Immanuel Kant's theory about artistic, the aesthetic judgment, which is that it's universally subjective, that of course, it does vary from person to person, but that there, to some degree or another, that it, there is a universal truth to it, but that we all uh, maybe see it from a somewhat different perspective. Um, but that there is, there we really do inherently, when it comes to the aesthetic judgment, believe in the back of our, in, the, in our true soul of souls, we, we sort of do believe and act as if there is a universally correct answer. Otherwise, why would we have movie reviews, right? What is a movie review other than a person who is supposedly more scholarly on a subject giving an opinion about it? What's a music, a movie review or a music review, right? Why do we have awards? We would never have award show, right? Everything would just be in a matter of personal opinion. We act in ways that suggest that we do believe that there is good versus bad art. We believe in that. And if I told you right here and now that Britney Spears is as good as the Beatles, number one, you should probably beat me with a fucking club. But you also know that I'm wrong. You know I'm wrong. And you can sit there and I know some of you out there are sitting there going, no, 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 I don't believe that, Stephen. You, you do. You do. 
you know deep down that Britney Spears is far less talented than right than somebody else. Then the then the just about anybody else, but then the Beatles, right? You believe that you know, you know somebody, right? And and to suggest we have first chair in orchestras, because we know that one person performs at a higher level than maybe some of their peers. We believe that we act in that way. Um, and I've I've had that debate again with my students for a long time, and I was like, well. If that's the case, if all art is truly subjective, then some kindergartner who, you know, made a finger painting and can, you know, in their class, their artwork is potentially just as good as, you know, the work of Pablo Picasso or any of the, or Renoir or Manet. We don't believe that. We don't hang their picture up in a museum, but we do with Monet. We do with Renoir. We do with Degas. We hang certain things in museums because we believe that they are good, that they are inherently more artistic and worthy of appreciation than others. You do, whether you want to admit it or not. <clears throat> and so that brings us to this week's column, which suggests that the music of today, a lot of it does suck. Most of it sucks. If you go out to clubs right now, the music sucks. It's so bad. It's so uncreative. It is so vapid in its in its artistic output. Utterly vapid. Mind-numbingly stupid. And so um and and that doesn't mean that there aren't artists out there that are impeccable. And I, I bring up a couple of them in the column and I, I should probably just get down to it, but in the end, um, it's not just generational. There is a degree to which the music of today really does suck more. And so with that, I bring you this week's column entitled Killing Me Loudly, The Death of Music in the Modern Era. As one enters into their sixth decade on the planet, and that's true for me, believe it or not. Yeah, trust me, I, I know. 51, folks. 51. In any case, they become keenly cognizant of their detachment from modern pop culture and its manifestation in the realms of artistic expression. It becomes increasingly evident that you are quickly sliding into that territory of being the angry old man yelling at kids to get off your lawn and turn down that awful racket. I am well aware that this week's Truth in a Thousand Words or Less may well exacerbate that process. But to be honest... I just don't give a damn. That's because this generation is killing music. And in the words of Hall & Oates, who they've never heard of, I won't stand for that. No, no. No can do. My girlfriend, I promise I won't sing again for the rest of this. I, that In this particular case, I was probably killing music right about there. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, kids. Thank you for appreciating. My girlfriend and I recently returned. <coughs> Sorry, just getting over a cold. My girlfriend and I recently returned from a glorious week in Cancun. A week full of sun, cocktails, skinny dipping, and really shitty music. Seriously, have you listened to the stuff that's being play, played out in the clubs these days? 
Well, you probably have, because we've all had that obnoxious kid pull up next to us with the base of his car stereo pumping so damn loud that you can't even hear the melodic tones of Joni Mitchell coming out of yours. But that's exactly it. All modern club music really comes down to is that same thumping bass with the same one, two, three, and four beat that you learned to tap on your knee in elementary school music class. On top of that, they layer an overly simplistic synthesized melody with all the textured nuance of a Krispy Kreme donut. Some of these songs will actually have lyrics to them, words so vapid and meaningless that even Kim Kardashian can commit them to memory. You know, lines like, What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Yes, just the type of linguistic and lyrical creativity that makes Bob Dylan seem small by comparison. The first sign that your music might suck would be the complete lack of instruments in its creation. Much of this bewildering crap is created on a computer. Sure, computers can be a resourceful tool for recording and shaping musical genius, but if you don't strum, beat, or blow into some sort of instrument to make the sounds you want to call music, well, I'll give you something you can blow on. Yeah. (laughs) The second sign that mere music isn't really what could properly be described as music is that it is so lacking in creative merit of its own that it has to borrow substantively from previous material. We call this process, of course, sampling. But when I go into the frozen yogurt shop and ask for a sample, they don't give me an entire cone full of flavors of my choice. No, they just give me one of those stupid tiny sample cups that I then have to reuse over and over and over again until the local high school kid working behind the counter has to threaten to call their manager if I don't stop. That's because a sample is supposed to just be a small taste, not the whole damn thing. But listen to how sampling is done in modern music, and it quickly becomes clear that the only good part about the new song that is being created is the old one they had to steal. My girlfriend's daughter will often complain when she gets in the car to go to school and the fish station is playing on Sirius Radio. Oh, great, she'll complain. We can listen to just one song on the entire 10-minute drive. Oh, that's right. That's what happens when talented musicians come together and jam. They listen to the playing of others and then use their own musicianship and expertise to tailor their performance into a seamless integration of sound. It is pure poetry and action as the sum becomes greater than the parts and a unique artistic expression is formed with the articulation of a finely tuned novella. Listening to the three-minute pieces of garbage our would-be teenager prefers, it is clear that when it comes to creative expression, the pieces she prefers are more gibberish than articulation. Of course, there are exceptions to this rule, and there are a number of performers out there who buck this trend toward the insipid decline of creativity in modern music. John Legend, Brandy Carlisle, John Mayer. You know John Mayer's coming at the end of the show. All serve to remind us that as long as there are genuine musicians out there, they will have an audience to appreciate them. But more and more as I listen to the crap that now passes as music, 
I am crestfallen at the lack of creative impetus involved. Simply put, most of the music produced today is soulless, vacant of the depth and energy that music, when done well, is able to impart from one being to another. Certainly, each generation falls into the trap of bitterly complaining about the ones that follow on them, follow them, echoing the sentiment of a forlorn loss of culture. My grandparents used to rage against all that blasted rock and roll music, just as their grandparents railed against, um, uh, well, I, I don't know, maybe the promiscuity and debauchery of the big band era? But it seems to me that something different is happening here than just the usual clash of generational tastes. It seems that with as many that has with many other aspects of our modern society, this generation of young people want to replace soul and hard work with technology and ease. Unfortunately, it is the sound of that deafening bass droning on that is drowning out the euphonious nature of the voices of our not-so-distant past. All right, and with that, let's get to uh, let's get to some music that actually doesn't suck. Um, in technicality, in fairness, this is a cover. You, you know it well. You know it's a cover. And if you don't know it's a cover of a Leonard Skinner song, something the fuck wrong with you. Jeez. What's wrong with you people? It's Leonard Skinner. It's Leonard, it's, 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 call me the breeze. Johnny Mayer's covering it, and I'm getting a text message. That's flipping awesome. Thanks. Thanks to whoever's deciding to text me at this very moment. Ruined the whole damn show. What am I going to do? Re-record it all? <laughs> Not doing that. In any case, folks, um, appreciate all of you. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's uh, Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. We'll be back next Thursday. Uh, you can count on that one. Uh, see you here, same time, same place. Until then, folks, you know it. Peace out, y'all. Nobody's high.